Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase and a member FDIC 2024 J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Pushkin. I'm going to start with one that I know is near and dear to you. You're an OJ Bronco fan, an OG OJ Bronco <laughs> fan. You've had a lot of these things. And I want to talk about the new Ford Bronco Raptor. And the thing I'll, I'll say about this vehicle is they should have put more animals in the name. Like, should have been Bronco, Raptor, <laughs> Gator, Ocelot. <laughs> what do you think? Crocodile. Uh <laughs> I just learned about the eye, that little primate that can pick its nose with a really long finger. Throw that in there. Uh, yeah, the Bronco Raptor. That's my guy, Ezra Dyer, the nor'easter of automotive journalism, who moved down south so he could drive more 4x4s in the mud. He's now the Carolinas editor for Car and Driver, and he was driving big, stupid SUVs before the rest of America discovered them. He's going to help us sort out this year's crop of SUVs. On deck this week are the Ford Bronco Raptor, the Honda CRV, the Genesis GV70, and of course, the all new Range Rover. I'm Eddie Alterman, and this is Car Show. I think this is the equivalent of, you know, the most luxurious luxury car interior. It's not perfect. It's not Apple. It's Samsung. <laughs> the Ford Bronco Raptor takes the already ridiculous Bronco and ridiculates it further. 
Ford bumps the twin-turbo V6 out to 3 liters and 418 horsepower, straps on 37-inch tires, and fits a suspension that travels farther than Buzz Aldrin. It's an off-road mountain goat, but is it THE goat? So, first of all, that vehicle should appeal to me completely because it's an overkill Bronco, but my only thing is I feel like maybe it's not quite overkill enough under the hood. Mm -hmm. Everywhere else, of course, suspension is ridiculous. It has fender flares that are made of uh, half of Rubbermaid's annual production, I think, is now going to Ford Bronco fender flares. I drove it out at Car Driver's Ten Best Testing, and it is quite a singular machine. Well, it only has twin-turbo 3-liter V6. It doesn't have a big honking V8 like they put in the Raptor R. And it makes a, a paltry 418 horsepower. Right. Don't you feel like they pulled a punch there? I mean, what, they couldn't fit the 3.5-liter EcoBoost in it? It's you kind know? of ridiculous, right? But the other thing is the Bronco itself is so dog-slow that this thing feels like, to me, it feels like this is what the, the Bronco should have been to start with. Like, this should be the base Bronco because it actually gets out of its own way. And the gearing isn't crazy because it's got that 10-speed automatic. I love a manual gearbox, but in that Bronco with the manual, you got that super short stump pulling first gear and the rest of the gears are super lazy. And it's just like, it doesn't accelerate. I don't know. I think this should have been the base Bronco. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't help that they only give you the manual with the four-cylinder, but uh, yeah, they do offer, I saw, they just came out with a reflash for it where they'll jack up basically the four-cylinder to the V6 power, and the V6 you can make a little bit more, and they'll give it rev matching on the downshift. So they've kind of sported up the base Bronco. Maybe Ford already realized that. They realized that, wait a minute, maybe we should have made this thing a little bit punchier in the first place because it's a big rig. Yeah. And especially by the time you get to the Bronco Raptor, which is like a Bronco and a half. You know what, though? Ford always leaves themselves an out to do a little bit more down the line. Yeah. And they probably figure morons are paying 120000 for these things anyway. So <laughs> let's just let's leave ourselves some headroom to drop a 3.5 in it two years from now and go, ta-da! Keep some powder then, dry. Right. Yeah, then it'll be the Bronco Raptor R. Ocelot. Exactly, right. That'll be the Ocelot edition. Uh, Texas rodeo, however they're going to sell it in you know different regional markets, and that'll be their that'll be their big thing. But for me, I just aesthetically, I just can't get over those fender flares, and it could have been done almost any other way. Would be more elegant than the way they did it. It's funny to talk about aesthetics and this thing in the same sentence, but I think you're right. It is a little crude, and I think this should be sort of the the base Bronco. As I said, I think it's a wonderful soft, compliant, daily driver, good enough power. The only thing about it is you can't drive it to a funeral. You know, you can't wear a Philadelphia Eagles jersey and Oakley blades to a funeral. This is like, you know, this is such an idiot's car. <laughs> What's your take on that? I would hope someone would drive a Bronco Raptor to my funeral <laughs> and rip some donuts or something. It's got crazy wide axles and wider track. And I didn't get to take it off-road really much, but it is supposed to be the king of off-road of anything you can buy right now. And I can see how that would be. Triple lockers and crazy approach and departure angles and ground clearance and suspension travel. 
Like it's kind of designed to do the King of the Hammers thing from the factory, which is amazing and ridiculous. It is amazing. And I've driven this thing off-road and it's almost like an autonomous vehicle off-road. It just goes anywhere you put it. You lock the axles. The thing just creeps over everything. You've got those helper spotter cameras to show you what's going on underneath. I mean, the thing is so incredibly capable off-road. There's kind of a miracle that it drives as civilly as it does on-road. I feel like it's more civil than your average Jeep Wrangler on road. But but here's my problem with super duper capable vehicles like that is part of the thrill of off-roading is not being sure whether you're going to get back out. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of terrain do you find with a Bronco Raptor where you're really wondering whether you're going to get back out? It's going to be something where you might need a Chinook helicopter to extricate you if it does go wrong. Because <laughs> really, how are you going to get that thing stuck? I'm sure people will. People will find ways. So there is there is that aspect of what is the point ultimately here? Yeah, but it's very hard to do. And, you know, I found the thing totally enjoyable uh, in everyday driving. I know I was in the minority, but, you know, I've like I'm missing half a lobe of my brain. So I, I think. Well, it is. Yeah, you're not known as a left brain thinker. <laughs> it, it is a, a, a paradox of trucks like the Bronco Raptor, these this genre of off-road desert racers that we have now with the Ram TRX and the Raptor, which spawned at Colorado ZR2, is that they're really comfortable on road. You know, when you have a foot and a half of suspension travel and, uh, you know, 90 profile tires, guess what? That's going to ride real nice yeah. on the broken pavement of our reality. I think that's part of the reason for the popularity of these things is that people like the way they look, obviously, and everybody wants to have more capability than they really need in their vehicle. But it does actually, as opposed to like a Lamborghini that goes 200 miles an hour, the crazy part of the capability of these things translates to actual uh, enjoyability on the street. You're just smothering everything that comes your way. Oh, speed bumps, speed up. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Get a little air if you can. You'll land like yeah. a cat, you know? Yeah. Well, let's let's move on to something that's altogether more sane and much more mainstream and enters one of the most hotly contested segments there is, which is the compact luxury SUV segment. And uh, I'm talking about the Genesis GV70. The GV70, as the alphanumerics imply, is the SUV version of the Genesis G70 sports sedan. Although I'm not exactly sure what the V actually means here. Vigorous? Anyway, it's darn vivacious, offering your choice of a 2.5-liter turbo 4 or a twin-turbo 3.5-liter V6. It's also got one of the nicest interiors this side of a Bentley Mulsanne. They just murdered it with this one. Like they knocked it out of the park. They picked the exact right midway point in the segment between the super doughy, soft, squishy Lexus RX and then the super taut, you know, super sporty Porsche Macan. This thing is just like splitting it right down the middle. What's your take on this thing? They did somehow manage to find daylight in a segment that is just relentlessly, everything is benchmarked against everything else. And there's only so many ways you can draw a two-box shape. Everything tends to kind of look like everything else too. And they came up with an interesting look for one thing, especially with the grill that you know right away, hey, that's a Genesis. 
and not in a bad way. You know, when a lot of companies come out with a, you know, a signature grill, it's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the Acura Beak or even the Audi single frame when they came out with that. But Genesis, they came out with a cool looking front end. It's definitely large. Although, you know, I hear what you're saying that it's distinctive because it's so chromed out and so big. But I get a lot of people saying it's a Bentley. The point is, you know exactly what it is when you see it. And, you know, assuming you don't think it's a Bentley. If Put it this way. It looks way better than a Bentayga. That's for damn sure. I don't know if you're going to mistake it for a Bentley. Yeah. Bentley wishes it could be look like a GV70. <laughs> uh, but also on the inside, too. It has just fantastic materials and interesting colors when it's got that red interior popping out at you. And everything is just so well done in the manner of Lexus of yore, I would yeah. say. Like you just want to spin the dials and push the buttons and feel the way the switches work because it's all just so dialed in and good. It's funny that you say Lexus because, you know, Lexus, when it came out in 1989, uh, 1990, they were really exploiting a big economic advantage, you know, of the yen versus the dollar. And they were able to load so much value into those vehicles. Uh, the Koreans have a slightly different approach. I mean, they're totally vertically integrated. They make their own steel. They do all, but they can deliver so much value for so little money. And this thing starts at $43,000 and it's got like $100,000 worth of interior in it. It's just incredibly good. Suede everywhere. You can get contrast stitching and piping. You can get different color seat belts like a Porsche. It's just nuts in there. And it's really good to drive yeah. is the other thing. Yeah. And which Genesis, they, they weren't always, you know, they ramped up really quickly into excellent to drive as opposed to just trying to be like a softer Mercedes is kind of where they started. Yeah. And now they're, even though that's not a, uh, you know, a finely honed sporting machine, like a Macan GTS or something, it's pretty sharp. And especially with the V6, it sounds good. It's fast. It's fun to drive without having that overtly sporty edginess that's beating you up all the time, like a BMW X3M competition or something, yeah. where you're like, okay, I get it. It's sporty. Okay, I don't need to feel every seam in the pavement all the time in my midsize crossover. <laughs> right. Genesis gets that. Yeah. It's like the engine is sporty, but it rides like a Jag. It, it doesn't kill you with sportiness. The V6 is sporty enough. It kind of rides like a luxury car. Although, when you go over bigger bumps, you get a little harshness in, in the wheel impacts. And that's the one little area where I'm like, you know, another couple cycles of suspension development and they could get it to the bends. But they move so fast, you know, like there's going to be a new one next year or something. They just, right. they cycle so much more quickly than all the other brands. And that's what causes them to evolve so much faster. Yeah. Like whatever you think is wrong with the GV70, just wait a year. <laughs> right. And they're super responsive. That's totally true. And look, this is Genesis as a brand, just their second SUV. And they're fully competitive. It's incredible. And from what I understand, it's, uh, you know, we can extrapolate from the GV80 and Tiger Woods. It's probably very safe. Yes, that's true. Don't forget, it saved his life. After the break, we'll be back with the new Honda CRV. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC, Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Well, let's talk next about a vehicle that's sort of ubiquitous uh, and is all new for 2023. And I just drove it, and I know you did. And this thing is sort of like the municipal car for every small liberal town. I'm not talking about Subaru. I'm talking about the Honda CRV. This thing is just incrementally better than the last one, but that's all it needed to be. A little bigger, a little quicker, and a little more sophisticated. That's the new Honda CRV. Honda is really pushing the hybrid versions here. They start at just around $33,000 and deliver crazy fuel economy and terrific driving behavior. The hybrid system itself is real high-end kit 
with a two-liter turbo four-cylinder augmented with two electric motors, one for power and one that's a generator. As the kids say, it's electric motor forward. What did you think about driving it? Uh, I think the last one was utterly forgettable in the way that it needed to be to appeal to, you know, millions of people. The CRV is the new Accord or Camry in terms of it is the mainstream vehicle that everybody buys who doesn't necessarily care about cars, but wants a solid, comfortable, reliable, efficient, and on and on and on vehicle for their lives that they're going to keep for 10 years, maybe. So the thing that's great about the new one is that they kept all of those attributes, all of the pragmatic things, but they also made it more interesting. Mm -hmm. So someone who does care about cars can get in and go, all right, I like what they did here. I like the style of it. I like the design and everything feels super solid and more expensive than it actually is. Yeah, it's better than it needs to be. You know, it's not a cynical sort of vehicle. And that's what I love about Hondas. Like, it's sort of the the approach they have for Accord and Civic. Most people are just going to use it as basic transportation. They're never going to change the oil. They're going to park it on the street in Brooklyn, own it for 20 years, and forget about it. But somebody who's into driving can take an Accord or Civic and just ring the crap out of it. And it's utterly satisfying. You know, it is just so, so good. And so there, and the best Hondas have this way of sort of disappearing under you. So you just sort of flow with the thing, you know, the Civic Type R does that for sure. And I think the CRV does that too. And it's just an incredible effort. It's bigger in every dimension. It's much better to drive. They're really turning it on with this thing and, and you can ignore it pretty easily, but I think it's a great achievement. It's also an interesting vehicle from an engineering standpoint, specifically the hybrid. That is just some cool stuff. Basically like you've got an electric car with your own onboard generator, right. as opposed to you know, the way that a lot of companies do hybrids is here's a 200 horsepower gas engine and here's a five horsepower uh, little, <laughs> little glorified starter motor and we're going to call it a hybrid. The CRV is the other way around. It's basically got big electric motors and an engine that can basically power those. But it's cool that they made the hybrid sort of the flagship and they don't even call it the hybrid anymore. It's just the CRV Sport, right? No, it's a sport touring hybrid. Sport touring, okay. Right. But they're not like, they're not leaning on the hybrid part as much as this is the sport. This this is the one you want if you want to have a little more fun and more power actually yeah. than the than the gas model. And better mileage than the the Toyota RAV4 hybrid. And Toyota is the acknowledged hybrid king. And, you know, never forget that Honda is an engine company first and foremost. And they make all kinds of stuff like riding mowers and weed whackers and, you know, four-stroke marine engines. And it all starts with the engine in those things. They are, to me, great engineering achievements, great masterpieces. And I don't know about you, but you know, I'm constantly being asked to recommend cars. And my fear is that I'm going to recommend something that craps out on somebody. And <laughs> I always find myself recommending Hondas because of that. To a lesser extent, Toyotas and maybe Subarus. But you know, for people who are not super wrecked in the head and, and totally insane <laughs> about cars, um, and just want basic transportation that's going to over-deliver, I'm always recommending 
Civics and Accords and CRVs, and they're just very, very good, soundly engineered things. Yeah, you can't go wrong recommending a Honda. Nobody's nobody's ever going to come back to you and say, I hate this thing. Exactly, exactly. Nobody's mad about their Honda. Nobody's pissed at it. Everybody's like... As opposed to like when I recommended the Volkswagen Phaeton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like recommending a Land Rover. You know, that's Russian roulette. And that brings us to the last vehicle in the bracket. The all-new Land Rover Range Rover. 105K to start for the short wheelbase version, and the the top-of-the-line SV version opens at $195,000. We're not in Kansas anymore, man. These things used to be farm implements, and now they're like, you know, they fit six Kardashians. And, And BMW is back on the scene. Say more about that. Yes, the Range Rover is once again powered by a BMW V8, just as it was in early 2000s. I feel like BMW and Land Rover are like a toxic couple (laughs) where it's like, oh no, they're getting back together. Well, maybe this time it'll work. BMW's friends are like, oh, I remember last time Ford showed up and then... Yeah, they're getting married again. It's like a destination wedding. Yeah. We have to spend all this money to go. And everyone's groaning. But it actually, the thing is, it does work really well. You can see why this keeps happening. I mean, it is the most distinctive SUV. You look at it and you go, oh my God, that thing is just gorgeous. That's like the platonic ideal of what a luxury SUV should be. What's better than that? You know, maybe the most desirable SUV of all time. And in this generation, they've done such fine detail work on the exterior and to some extent the interior. Like around the greenhouse of that thing, there's no gasket. It just butts with the glass perfectly. It's just so precisely made. And you look around that whole thing and you're like, this is just insane attention to detail. The surfacing of it is so beautiful and so serene almost and so elegant that you almost like, I kind of miss the old crappy one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I miss the crappy one, but the, the interesting trick that they pulled that's really hard to do is to take a vehicle that has, I, kinda, I hate the word iconic, but the Range Rover shape is iconic. And it's super difficult to tune it up for a new generation and not lose the unmistakable look that it had, but also make it unmistakably new. Yeah. And, you know, Bentley's wrestled with that with like Continental GT. They came out with a, you know, come out with a new one. Well, it kind of looks like the old one. Well, they, they settled on their shape and they don't want to screw it up. Range Rover managed to take that Jerry McGovern sketch on a napkin and turn it into something that is clearly the new generation. All your neighbors are going to know you've got the new one. Right. But, Everybody else is also going to know that you've got a Range Rover. That has to be what you're looking at is a Range Rover. You don't have to explain it to anybody. No, you have to explain it to anybody. And they did it, like you said, through all that fine detailing. It just looks slick and smooth, but not just like this wind tunnel shaped, boring egg. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's still got the, the distinctive elements that make it a Range Rover, right? The floating roof kind of the raised capitals on the hood. You sit very high in it, so you can still kind of peer down the side of the door to look at what you're doing off-road. This thing remains amazing off-road. 
Nobody will ever take it off-road, not in this country at least, <laughs> but it is so incredibly tuned up for that stuff. And, you know, the wheel articulation's crazy. It can afford a ton of water. But my question with this one is, is it too LA, you know? Like, have they smoothed it out too much? The great thing about English car design is that every element is sort of its own individual design. The lights are their own little thing set into the body. It's not like that smooth Scandinavian style where the lights are sort of wrapped around the body and, and like the same sort of form of the body. This On this one, it's so smooth. It's so like global in a way and so like built for Dubai. You go, it, is this thing, does it really read as an English vehicle anymore? Well, if I put on my Land Rover product planner hat for a moment, I would say that their response to that would probably be, well, that's what the Defender's for. If you, uh, or Discovery, if you want something that's a little bit more idiosyncratic style-wise, whereas the Range Rover has always been this bejeweled thing, and this one is is moving that further in that direction, but to your point, it'll still go off road. So if it'll still, if it'll still do all the silly things while looking like that, I can see how you say that puts it in the, uh, your flossing in Dubai sort of, sort of, uh, aesthetic realm. Right. They should have like a Falconer's rod option in the bag. I did take a Range Rover off road some years ago, the previous generation. And the general public doesn't even realize how good Range Rovers are off road. So I showed up at a Jeep Club event on Fort Bragg with a Range Rover, and the guys there said, "Hey, you want to just park and ride with us?" I'm like, "No, no, no! I can go where you guys go. Trust me." And I did, and their their minds were blown because they've only ever seen these things on the street. They've never seen one out in the woods and clomping through mud and going everywhere they were going in their you know lifted XJs. So I think that as long as it retained that ability, then the style had to move forward, and it did. And the fact that we can debate about it is, I think, a good thing. Yeah. You know, if everybody if everybody agrees on every aspect of the way something looks, then it's probably not that interesting. Yeah, and it's probably not going to last too long and, and be kind of captivating for very long. And, you know, this thing feels sort of 10% bigger in every dimension except the interior. So it feels like it's Escalade size on the exterior, but inside it's kind of snug. Well, that's that's part of the extra, it's the extravagance of wasted space. Right. You know, when you have that, the tumble home, you know, they could have made the body side straight up and down, but when you look at it, like from the back and it, it looks like you've got uh, a TP on top of a square basically, because <laughs> the roof can't in so hard, that makes it look cool, but that also makes it less practical inside. But look, the least practical things are the ones that command the most money. When they were making the two-door Range Rover, the last generation, that was the most expensive one. And people will pay a premium to be inconvenienced if it looks cool. That's true. Yeah, to, to work a little bit harder for, for style, to suffer a little bit. And it is one thing about the Range Rover that as expensive as it is and always has been, it still represents kind of a bargain because you do say, well, what's above this? What am I going to get that's better than this for an SUV? Yeah. And the answer is usually there isn't one. Yeah, I mean, the G-Wagon, I think, is sort of in that same sort of zip code, that same sort of, you know, zone, but it's cruder. It's, you know, it's not quite as refined and uh, it's more money. 
when you think and about it. And it's also, one might say, an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, I've acquired it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to have, you got to have G-Wagon attitude. <laughs> After the break, Ezra and I will rank all four SUVs. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase, NA member, FDIC, 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. We're back, and it's time to decide which of these four SUVs make it through to the final round. All four of these vehicles are pretty spectacular in their own way. From the kind of entry-level or starter-level CRV 
all the way up to the Range Rover and sort of everything in between. Where do you net out? Like, so I would put the Bronco Raptor last just because it has some, it has further to go. I would agree with that because yes, A, you feel like they pulled a few punches despite how ridiculous it is in so many ways, but also it's a very focused niche thing. And it's always easier to build something that's highly specialized and highly compromised in other ways. Like, yeah, it's going to be great off-road, but get horrible mileage and cost a lot and on and on and on, but be really good at this one thing. It's a lot harder to make something like a CRV that's good at a lot of things and appeals to a lot of people without being boring. Like the more you spend building something and the more you charge for it, the better it can be, really. And so a $200,000 Range Rover, to me, is not such a huge achievement. You know, it's not a quantum leap forward. And to me, that's my number three vehicle in this bracket. Like, I think the Range Rover is great. I love it. Super desirable. Somewhat non-vehicular in its movements. Sort of like driving a couch. (laughs) But man, I want one. I think they're super cool. And I like, it's the perfect thing to pull into the fancy grocery store with. Yeah, it's like I want a Hinkley yacht, too. (laughs) Right. I want a Wally B. Yeah. But it is easier to build a Hinkley yacht than it is to build uh, something that's going to be accessible for everybody. As we've said with a lot of cars in that price range, for that amount of money, it ought to be great. It is, but it ought to be. Yeah. The execution matches expectations. So so I see where you're going is CRV and GV70, which are both excellent vehicles and yet had to be built to a price. They had to be built right. to a price, but you can't really tell. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the one that overachieves there is the GV70. It's so incredibly good. That's my top pick. That's the one I'm pushing forward. It came out of nowhere, blew everybody's minds, split the segment exactly down the middle. The most, I think, buyer appeal of anything in that segment for the widest possible buyer. A little bit like CRV, to be honest, but the CRV is just like, it's not as cool as a GV70. <laughs> you know, it's, it's an incredible achievement and it's incrementally better than the last one, which is also a great achievement. But the GV70 is just like, that's a moonshot to me. So are we only picking one here? We're only picking one to go for. We're only picking one. Well, Eddie, I hate to agree with you on everything, but, <laughs> you know, if I look at this as, which one of these would I actually want to go buy now? Like if I were laying my own money on the line, which is the most compelling vehicle that I would want to go get? It would be the GV70. Mm-hmm. That's a car that I would want to show up in. It's got desirability. It's got curb appeal, super comfortable, great user interface. All the things are right. And actually, which I regard as a bonus, anti-badge appeal. A lot of people don't know what a Genesis is still, so you're not paying whatever the tariff is on that Mercedes star on your hood. You're not paying that for a Genesis. They're strivers. They're trying to overtake those other companies, and you can really tell from their products. Yeah, they're, they're just trying harder. They're working it, and they're sweating every little detail. Yeah, they want that badge to mean something in the future. I still feel like If you pick up one of those right now, you're early. You're leading the way. Right. You're a thought leader. You're you're an (laughs) early adopter. (laughs) No one ever says that to me, but yeah, (laughs) hypothetically, I'm a thought leader. Yeah. Yes. I'm comfortable with the GV70 moving on. 
Okay, great. Excellent. So this luxury compact SUV slays the Range Rover. It slays the stalwart Honda CRV, and it slays ultimately the multi-species Bronco Raptor. <laughs> Thank you, Ezra. You are hilarious and great and uh, so full of insight. Can't thank you enough, man. Thanks for having me, man. Now, producer Sam Dingman and I get behind the wheel of the GV70 to see what the fuss is all about. I just noticed these seatbelts are good. Look, I mean, look at the, the level of detail in this thing. You can tell that the guy who designed this designed Bentleys and Lamborghinis. I mean, it is so deluxe and it's so beautifully executed. Look at this line, this line of chrome that starts at the door, the back of the door, goes through the vents, kicks up over the instrument pinnacle, which is um, has this exposed stitch, by the way, then goes through all these other vents around to the other door and just creates this kind of seamless, connected interior space. And, you know, this design, this eyebrow design over the binnacle kind of repeats in the third stoplight. I mean, there's all these little touches that are so incredibly thoughtful and smart and just like, this is hard stuff to do, especially at this price point. I mean, I think this is the equivalent of, you know, the most luxurious luxury car interior. It's not perfect. It's not Apple. It's Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's drive it a little. Let's take it out. Okay, so I'm turning the crystal knurled gear selector to drive. And uh, we're going to drive this car in its native habitat. I do have to admit, turning the knob to shift gears did feel a little bit like I was turning on a washing machine. <laughs> That's true. And and then you, have, you park it, or you put it in park by pushing the... The cycle button. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're back in drive. <laughs> the ride is so supple. The transmission is just silky smooth. And yet, at the same time, there's a little growl in the engine. You know, it's sort of having it both ways. It's, huh. it really is like, you know, it's your Lexus and your BMW all in one. <laughs> right, right. It's yeah. that middle ground. It is just absolutely serene. Um, there's no wind noise, not a lot of tire noise. It just really calms you down and, and keeps you kind of fresh, you know? All the glass is coated, non-reflective, quiet glass. I mean, you see that in all luxury cars, but it's not only the decibel reading, it's also the quality of the sound. And the quality of the sound is really good in here. I think it's really, really dry and nice and you know, calming. Car Show is written and hosted by me, Eddie Alterman. It's produced by Emily Rostek and Jacob Smith. Our editor is Karen Shakurji. Original music and mastering by Ben Tolliday. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Our show art was designed by Sean Carney and airbrushed by Greg Lefevre. Special thanks to Sam Dingman, producer extraordinaire. We really had to twist his arm to get him in the passenger seat. 
Our patron saints, as always, are Tom Alad and Justine Lang. Car Show is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for just $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.